Hollow Mountain Publishing presents The Pond, book one of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 31 Forced Judgment Katie woke up from a nightmare, the young boy's scared face echoing in her mind. She knew it was going to be hard to get back to sleep. Getting up, she walked into the kitchen, looking for the bottle of sleeping pills her mother used to give her. Finding the bottle, she shook out a pill, debating whether to take one or two. Opening the refrigerator, she glanced at all the little notes her mother placed reminding her of appointments or things to buy. She stopped, staring at the hot pink post-it note. A phone number with the name of Forrest right next to it. The sleeping pill now forgotten, she studied the neat handwriting of her mother. She couldn't believe it. She remembered the many times her mother told her she had called Forrest when the house was broken into by large animals she had called Forrest. When she couldn't find Katie, she had called Forrest. When Katie had wrecked her Camaro, she had called Forrest. She grabbed the note and walked back into her bedroom. Looking at the clock, she realized it was after midnight. She could care less if she woke him. Finding her cell phone, she dialed Forrest's number. She waited impatiently as it rang several times. She wasn't surprised when an answering machine picked up. This is Forrest. If you need me, leave a message. Forrest! This is Katie Johnson. I have several things I need to discuss with you. For one thing, a friend and I found a man and his son in the woods, half-eaten. Second, Miss Smith, my English teacher, is threatening me, telling me I'm just like Elizabeth Hawk. Third, I believe you promised me some answers. So, if you're too afraid to have a conversation with me, then go run and hide. If you're not... I would appreciate you getting your ass down here and giving me some answers. She hung up, smiling to herself. She thought she laid it out pretty well, till she remembered she hadn't left her phone number. She studied her cell phone, debating whether to call back, finally deciding it would lose the effect she was trying to make. He knew where she was. She lay back down on the bed. You may look like your mother, but you don't have her sweet disposition. Katie looked up from her books. She had been expecting Forrest to show up sometime today. She came early to school just to help him contact her. Glancing at the clock, she still had 30 minutes before the first bell rang. She leaned back in her chair and gestured toward the seat in front of her. He sat down, eyeing her warily. I believe you said you found a couple of bodies. Katie narrowed her eyes. I want an assurance that you won't take off, leaving me hanging as soon as you get information from me. Forrest looked affronted. I'm a man of my word. Katie wanted to debate the point, but decided it was in her best interest not to point out the obvious. Hoping her silence spoke volumes, she waited for him to continue. Forrest pulled out an old worn map. His fingers shook a little as he spread it out on the table. Katie could tell. It was the Appalachian Mountains in her immediate area. Can you point out 
approximate area where you found the bodies? Katie studied the map to get her bearings. You will find them right here, she pointed to the spot. Forrest frowned. Are you sure? Katie gave the map a closer look. She could see a red marker line that encircled natural barriers, rivers, and mountain lines. She could see the place she pointed was inside the marked line. Yes, I'm sure. They had a four-wheeler, so there has to be a way in there by trail. Katie pointed to the red line. What is this for? Forrest stared at her for a while. This is a protective line. Elizabeth Hawk drew a long time ago, he eventually answered. They are no longer afraid to come into the boundaries, Katie said, hoping he would explain more. The old man nodded, studying her a little harder. I've been watching you, Katie Johnson. I've been watching you real close. What I see, I don't like. Katie lifted her eyebrows in surprise. You've been courting around with that seeker, including him and your team, making the others accept him. He was there when your friend died. Did you know that? Katie sat up straighter. You don't know him. Forrest shook his head, a cynical smile playing on his lips. Do you know how many times I've heard that, little girl? I've been on this mountain for 140 years. Do you know how many lives I've seen come and go? All the same. Different people. Different names. Living the same life. Over and over. He's different than the rest, Forrest said in a high-pitched voice. Now you listen to me, and you listen good. When a were-animal goes on his knees and makes the oath to become a seeker, the heart of the soul of the animal leaves. It cannot live in a corrupt vessel. What is left is just an essence of what the spirit once was. Without the animal's soul, the human becomes corrupt. There's no going back. They all become malice. He leaned forward and grabbed Katie's hands. They all become corrupt. No exceptions. What's a malice? Katie couldn't help asking. It's the monster your little boyfriend is going to turn into. She pulled her hands away from his tight grip. Maybe this time is different, she said, grasping. Elizabeth thought the same thing. Katie looked up into the old man's face, not wanting to hear any more. Elizabeth fell in love with the seeker. Forrest shook his head, his eyes becoming watery. She gave her whole heart and soul to that boy. She tried real hard to save him, too. In the end, she knew he had to be killed. She couldn't do it herself, so she asked us to do it. Katie felt sick to her stomach. She didn't want to hear any more. Gathering her books, she started jamming them in her backpack as fast as she could. I'm not finished. Katie wanted to walk away and never see the old man again. She reminded herself that she'd asked for this meeting. Sitting down, she folded her arms and slumped in her chair. The wolf is second in command. That's how it's always been. The old man tapped his pointed finger on the table. Second, not first. Katie was at a loss what the old man was trying to say. What's your point? What I'm saying is, when the great white tiger makes its appearance, you have to step down. You're only in charge until it arrives. You can save a lot of heartache and contention by just stepping down and being supportive instead of fighting for control. Stung from the accusation, Katie was not sure how to respond. This isn't here and now, old man. I'm not repeating an old play where Romeo and Juliet continuously die. Romeo and Juliet? I'm talking more along the lines of Judas or Brutus. 
Katie had no idea who he was talking about. Anything else, Obi-Wan? Forrest watched her closely. I see I've given you a lot to think about. Katie watched the old man get up and walk out of the library. She waited until he was completely gone before grabbing her bag and running for the door. She needed to find somebody smarter than she was. Walking down the hallway, she spotted David. He was talking to three of his buddies. Her immediate impulse was to turn around and avoid him. Giving herself courage, she walked up to him and tapped him on the shoulder. Can I talk to you for a moment? David gave her a tight smile and walked with her. She looked around, making sure they were by themselves. Who is Judas? What? David smiled, his first genuine smile. I was expecting you to talk to me about something else. Yeah, well, I plan on talking about that later. Right now, I would like to know who a Judas and a Brutus was, or is, or whatever. She waved her hand in agitation. Are you talking about Judas Iscariot? I don't know, just Judas. How many people have that name anyway? Katie said, frustration etched on her features. Judas Iscariot was an apostle of Christ. He betrayed him by giving him a kiss on the cheek, telling the soldiers who he was. That's where the term, the Judas kiss, comes from. Katie nodded. Who is this Brutus guy? Caesar, acting as emperor of Rome, was assassinated by Brutus and other members of the Senate. Katie was starting to understand what Forrest was implying. Were Judas and Brutus good friends with the people they betrayed? David smiled. Oh, yes. Very good friends. Anger and resentment flushed her features. She wanted to find the old man and knock his head off. How dare he judge her? Nodding her head, she gave David a distracted smile. Thanks. She turned to walk away. Whoa, wait a minute there. We need to talk. Grabbing her hand, he pulled her back towards him. Katie eyed him apprehensively. What? Oh, I don't know. What did you and your naked friend do together? Katie laughed. He wasn't naked, she said, coming to Jackson's defense. I was there. He was naked as a jaybird, David replied. I saw clothes, Katie answered. David cocked his head to the side. How? She wasn't sure how to answer. Our minds are connected some way. He projects an image from his mind to ours, she shrugged. I can actually feel the fabric. So, when he made a point to you about me not being able to see his clothes, he was really making the point that you don't have the right gene or mind to become a were-animal. Wow, that just breaks my heart. David patted his chest, giving her a sad, mocking look. Katie laughed. Did you talk to your mom about the sugary legend? He nodded, giving her a speculative look. I always wondered what you women did on those campfires. Hey, I only attended one and it was cut short. Jackson told me that old Elizabeth Hawk has been protecting these mountains for 170 years. David's eyebrows raised in surprise. Do you want to hear something else? David leaned in closer. Forrest just told me. He has been around for 140 years. Katie looked around, making sure no one was within hearing distance. I wonder how old Miss Smith is. How do you know Miss Smith is a were-animal? David stumbled over the word. I don't. She shook her head. Jackson thinks she is because of the way she acted and the term she used yelling at me yesterday. How does Jackson know so much? I don't know, Katie said quietly. 
If he hadn't been around helping me and the others, we wouldn't have made it. She didn't know who she was trying to convince. David or herself. Do you know what I don't understand? David said quietly. The legend says the descendants of this running deer turn into a were-animal. None of us are related to each other. My family is Navajo, and we are the first generation to live in these mountains. How can we possibly be related to anyone in the Cherokee Nation? He shrugged his shoulders. How come Sam was chosen? I know, she said in frustration. The only thing that is right so far about the legend is that someone becomes a were-animal. Sam used to say it was because the legend was never written down. Each generation that passed the story on would add or take away from the original. David acted like he wanted to pursue this line of questioning. When the bell rang, signaling they needed to go to class, Katie gave David a quick wave and walked to her first class. She tried to chase away her feelings, but an unfamiliar dread settled in her stomach. Sitting down, she went over her conversation with Forrest again. Doubt clawed its way into her consciousness. How could she trust Jackson now? Giving in to her doubts and fears, she hated Forrest. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. I hope you've enjoyed this week's chapter of The Pawn, the first book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week, and our imaginations meet again, have a great day.